Hello, and welcome back to the Chapel Hill Podcast, the podcast for ethically-minded UNC students. I'm Samad. And I'm Jacob. And on today's extra special episode, we're talking about AI. Um, this is a short little mini cast for the NPR Student Podcast Challenge. Sorry to disappoint, we're not actually talking about like Hall 9000 or Skynet, the AI, the way you would traditionally think of them in like a kind of like science fiction sense, um, but like the large language models like ChatGPT that we've been seeing pop up over the last uh, year or so. So the way these work is actually pretty interesting. Um, They're not thinking machines in the way um, a human is or like an animal is where they like take in inputs and then rationalize um, thoughts to come out. It's really more of a probability machine. So when you put in a prompt, um, it does a lot of like really complicated math to figure out based on its training data what the most likely next word in its response should be um, based on the prompt that's being given and based on what it's already decided to say. Um, it's a, not likely to actually like turn into a proper AI network the way we traditionally think of it, but it's still a really impressive piece of technology and the newer ones are getting better and better as time goes on. There are a lot of kind of bigger ethical concerns um, within these language models that aren't brought up a lot. Um, So like the first one is there's some epistemic concerns around, we're not entirely sure what inputs are being put into um, these language models. Uh, We just kind of trust these companies like OpenAI to put certain inputs in and then they're gonna create outputs that we assume are going to be like the most epistemically valuable output. It's kind of a big assumption because we have no idea what they're putting into these things. So like they could, the output could be something insanely just coerced by something that they put in. And then a second concern that, that really is a lot of people bring up, this is one that a lot of people actually focus on, is the fact that AI is able to produce uh, vastly unequal outcomes for those who are able to access it uh, at higher rates or um, higher, better models of it than other people, uh, especially in the classroom when you have a student who can pay for chat gpt4 um, and get the benefits from that versus a student who can't or may not even have access to the ability to access chat gpt for whatever reason when you don't have equal access to chat gpt it, it tends to produce unequal outcomes the really biggest concern is that these ai models have the ability to create transformative effects across the world uh, in like drastic ways that change our daily lives. Not necessarily for the good or for the bad, but um, when these things do happen and they happen to be bad, there's nowhere that we can really hold anybody accountable. You you could turn to the owner of a company or the creator of the AI, uh, the creator of the company, and they're like, well, I just got my programmers to do it. And then the programmers are like, well, we just followed your ideas. So it's kind of, there's very hard to figure out who needs to be held accountable when something bad happens because of these language models. And so now we're going to move uh, a little bit into the actual use of AI in the classroom. So, Samad, what are some acceptable uses for you? Right. So I think what it comes down to is... Are we properly properly utilizing AI as a tool um, to enhance learning, or are we using it as kind of a mechanism to make it easier to get through schoolwork? So when it comes to like acceptable usage, I'm thinking of things like 
research for papers. You can use it to kind mm-hmm. of summarize um, like academic research, give you a like breakdown of the key ideas in a passage, recommend sources, explaining some of these like complicated topics. Yeah, I'm um, glad that you brought up the complex topics because that's something that I've brought up multiple times to my professors when, uh, especially like freshmen, when they have a really, really, really jargony paper. Yeah. They can put it into ChatGPT and get it put down in a much simplified language that helps them exactly. understand it better. Like um, if you are, for example, like learning about existentialist philosophy, um, instead of, uh, if you're just trying to get a background, instead of like jumping directly into like um, Fear and Trembling by Kierkegaard or, you know, something by like Hegel or Sartre with the, where they use like this really like complicated language, you can, you know, get a grasp of the ideas that they're pulling out and the kind of like key areas that they're conflicted with um, without having to parse through this really difficult language. Um, and I think it's still good for people to eventually go and read the source text. Um, but like as an intro, uh, using ChatGPT to kind of summarize stuff, I think is like enhances learning rather than takes away from it. You specifically mentioned um, using it as a tool to learn rather than as a tool to replace your learning, right. I think would be a good way to say what you said. I'm thinking about it like imagine ChatGPT is like a pen, you know? Like mm-hmm. a nice, a really nice pen is going to make your writing easier. Your hand's not gonna cramp up as much. It'll be smoother. Your handwriting's probably gonna be better. It enhances the way that you write. Um, a pen that just writes for you completely takes away all of that, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of the skill, all of the like effort being put into it. It just does things for you. And I don't think that's like, a model we want to perpetuate like both in schools and in like the rest of our society so i think at the end of the day ai and like the chat gpt language models are kind of here to stay um the cat's already out of the bag so what's Mm going to happen is schools are going to have to figure out a way to both detect uh chat gpt like ai usage and also figure out a way to like integrated into the classroom in a way that enhances students learning um that way students don't feel like they have to use it as a mechanism to cheat but rather it's like kind of built into the way that they think about going about their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. yeah that makes complete sense and i i completely agree like using it there are ways to incentivize people to use it in the ways in which we think it's good to use Thank you so much for tuning in to the Chapel Phil podcast in this very special episode about uh, the future of language models in the classroom. Thank you so much to the judges at the NPR podcast contest for listening and considering us uh, in the running. Um, Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye.